COVID-19, the next major society morphing event since 9-11. The new operation goes global 19 years after the fall of the towers. Emerging in 2019, it was projected to possibly be as deadly as the Spanish flu, which ended 99 years ago in 1920. The Spanish flu first wave officially starts on February 1918. Two, two, three. And soon after, measures are taking place to stop the spread. Government forced closures of businesses, schools, and social gatherings. Mandatory quarantines, social distancing practices, and wearing a face mask. The solution? Mass experimental vaccinations. One cycle begins. One cycle begins. COVID-19 is the second pandemic caused by the SARS family of pathogens. S-A-R-S one, one, nine, one. The Republic of China first notifies the World Health Organization of an outbreak in February 2003. Two, two, three. Additionally, in February 2003, Hong Kong identifies its own patient zero. Brown zero. The man and his wife had checked into the Metropole Hotel Room 911 on the ninth floor. 23 other guests of the hotel are also infected. He is considered a super spreader. S S one one. He passes the infection to his brother-in-law, who was hospitalized on March the first and dies on the 19th. On March 4th. Another man, 27 years old, visited a guest at the Metropole Hotel's ninth floor 11 days earlier. After showing signs of sickness, he is checked into the Prince of Wales Hospital. 99 hospital workers are infected while treating him. March 11, 2021. In order to cope with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, President Joe Biden signs the coronavirus relief package, costing a grand total of 1.9 trillion, nearly 20 billion of which will go to COVID-19, vaccinations, and development. Yo, homie, did you get your second stimulus check? 600 bucks? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stay at least six feet away from me, bro. There are 12 inches in one foot. Six feet being 72 inches. There are 72 demons listed by name in the Lesser Key of Solomon. The Grimoire is also known as the Ars Goetia. The Latin term Goetia refers to the evocation of demons or evil spirits. The very first demon being that is described is known as King Baal or King Ba'el, often depicted wearing a crown or corona in Latin, 
has been attributed to teaching science, granting the power of invisibility, and having control over 66 legions of demons. All hail the crown. Well, as I've always said, in order to understand where we are now, we have to understand the past. We look to the past because everything happens, I believe, in cycles. And so it made me wonder, has anything like this happened before? And speaking about the past, what, where, where did this thing come from? What is its origin? As I start to dig into these things, I, left and right, I just start finding holes in the story. Holes in the story and also a lot of uh, very iffy evidence. And things that don't, things that kind of conflict each other. Like constantly, constantly conflicting theories and all kinds of stuff. Like it just doesn't make sense. And that's why this is like so hard to understand because a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it, like I said, it conflicts with each other. So it, and it's not just because me saying, I don't know, like when it comes down to it, a lot of these scientists or, or whatever they, a lot of the times they don't know. And they admit that they don't know. But we'll see. I got I got a couple things, a couple notes I want to go over. One of the first things I picked up picked up recently that I had always seen it, but I never really knew what it meant, is that it, it's called a novel virus. The uh, SARS CoV two novel virus. Well, what is a novel virus anyways? It's essentially brand new. It's not like they don't, they haven't seen it before, apparently. The closest thing they've seen to it is the original SARS, which they call SARS-CoV-1, which caused another pandemic in 2000, 2002 to 2004. Um, but this one is different, so I got two, and it's that's why it's called novel. And as I was going through the uh, just the general wiki of just straight up COVID-19. Uh, one part didn't make sense to me. So under the subtitle of transmission, I read this and I just, I was like, what? So it says here, although it is considered possible, there is no direct evidence of the virus being transmitted by skin to skin contact. So you can... If somebody has it, you can touch them, but you won't get it. 
I mean, that makes sense in, in the sense that it needs to be uh, a fluid, like a saliva or something like that. But I feel like I've always heard that, you know, you could be shedding it through your skin. I thought that was a popular... I know I've seen a few headlines that say that, but no, apparently not. Another thing that doesn't make sense is... I know somebody whose sister ended up getting sick. She got tested and she came out positive for it. And the whole time she was with her husband and they, I mean, they sleep together. I'm assuming they kiss at some point, yet he didn't get sick. So to me, it just seems like they don't really there's still not a clear understanding as to uh, how it's actually spread. Uh, the next sentence on here, a person could get COVID-19 indirectly by touching a contaminated surface or object before touching their own mouth, nose, or eyes. Though it, this is not thought to be the main way the virus spreads. Uh, once again, it sounds to me like they don't know. So I guess they're saying you could you could cough and then if some of those droplets land on something and then you touch it and then you touch your face then it could then it could get into you. The next thing on here, the virus is not known to spread through feces, urine, breast milk, food, wastewater, drinking water. Um we'll get I'll return back to the uh the feces and the urine thing uh, a little later. And the last thing, or via animal disease vectors. Although some animals can't contract the virus from humans. So the main thing is I want to highlight is it is not known to spread through animal disease vectors. What the fuck does that mean? That means uh, they don't they don't have a way that it could spread from an animal to uh, to a human. Yet that's how that's exactly how they say that it came about. Um. What? And I I ended up reading more. Yeah, you can. Humans can apparently spread it to cats, tigers, and ferrets or something like that. But they c couldn't really find a way for uh, an animal to, to get it into the, uh, into the humans. So that alone kind of just brings into question, well, then where did it come from? They keep telling us it's it came from this bat that was sold in a, at a market. Well, I mean, if when I hear that, I just think like, well, can't they do a simple experiment? Get a freaking bat that has this. 
Well, that's the thing, because looking into it, the bats, they don't have this specific coronavirus, but they have other ones. Um, there's thousands of them. There's thousands of coronaviruses. But I would think if you're, I mean, if you're a scientist and you're trying to figure it out, couldn't you just have a freaking, because a, a bunch of uh, primates, they're similar to us, they can get it too. Have one of them eat a, eat a infected bat. I mean, I don't know if they're really saying it's because they ate it, because that doesn't make sense either. Wouldn't they cook it? I guess they're trying to say maybe, I don't know what they're trying to say. Somebody got bit before they sold it or uh, they, they opened up the meat and they touched it and then they touched their face. It, it just doesn't make sense. Actually. I'm gonna tell a little side story. It reminded me uh, talking about this wet market. I had a coworker uh, at the end of 2019 when this thing was first coming out, and they had all the horrible videos of people like just passing out in the street, people coughing up blood, people were getting like welded into their dorms or apartments or whatever. Um. A lot of fear porn coming out of China. And uh, anyways, this dude, he was a Vietnamese guy, kind of a big guy, always smiling. He reminded me of Buddha. And uh, yeah, I was cool with him. He uh, and this dude loved to eat and he was an adventurous eater. And so he's a. Uh, we would all kind of make fun of him because he'd always be like during lunch and break, he'd just be on his phone looking at the latest news about this, uh, this, uh, I don't know, this virus that was coming around. And I kind of thought, I was like, well, you know, we had the, the, the swine flu, the SARS and the MERS, like it's just something that happens, but I, I don't know. I never really, I, I didn't know any anybody personally that actually got any of those things. So it didn't seem to affect me. I didn't really think much of it. The videos were crazy. He was showing me those videos. And I was just like, what? But soon after the story came out that, um, yeah, that it came out through the uh, people eating the bat in bat soup or something. That was like the first story. And um, so I was walking by my coworker one day and he just whispers at me, he's like, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy. I'm like, what's up? He's like, you want to know something? I was like, yeah, I'm down. And he was like, I ate, I ate bat before. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I ate bat before. 
I was like, so they really eat bats and stuff? He was like, oh, yeah, it's good. It was good. It was big. It was, uh, dang, what are those big ones called? I don't remember. It's one of the biggest ones that they have. He was telling me about how the meat, how much meat they have on them and stuff. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, we both kind of thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, huh. I was like, damn, dad, you, you'll eat almost anything. He's like, yeah, don't knock it till you try it. He had a point, but I don't think I'm going to try bat anytime soon. I don't have an urge to. Um, but yeah, I guess over there they actually do, uh, they do do it. And he did tell me that they would eat dogs. He said he didn't. I don't know if I believe him though. <laughs> uh, so that guy, we all kind of made fun of him. We were like, oh, all he talks about is that freaking that virus that's all he cares about he thinks it's the end of the world little do we know months later well he i forget why but he ends up getting he ends up getting fired and it wasn't because he was eating bats it was uh i forgot why actually they let him go and then yeah a few months later um we we closed down our work, so I'm not working, and I run into him at his new job, and I'm just like telling him, like, dude, like you were, you you were the prophet. Nobody believed you. He kept warning us, it's coming, it's coming over here, but nobody wanted to listen. That the prophet. But anyways, let me get back to the virus. So, yeah, they, they're telling you, you you can't get it from other animals, but yet we got it from an animal. Uh, apparently, they just came out with their CDC report, I guess, with uh, that they had done with China. And uh, yeah. I read a few articles that China was like being real. They didn't want to let the scientists in and they basically kept them in their hotels for weeks. And sounds like they pretty much just gave them a little dog and pony show. And if I'm not mistaken, they still won't let them go to the the cave where they said um, they think these bats came from. I mean, that just makes zero sense to me if this is the, I don't know, such a crazy pandemic emergency. Shouldn't we have all our focus and attention on these things? But it seems like all they're focusing on is uh, which which vaccine you're going to take. It all comes down back to that. So one of the first things you do want to when a the virus comes out is, um, you know, you always want to find patient zero and then to see, like, to, you kind of backtrack and go back and see how it started spreading. Well, patient zero doesn't even, I, I honestly don't even think this person exists. Here's the, uh, 
the excerpt from uh, I took this from the timeline of COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so they think it came out no uh, October, late October to early November. Keep that in mind because I'm going to bring that up at the end of this. 2019. So late October, early November 2019. Patient zero, um, his symptoms began on December 1st, 2019. The se- they said they say the man had not been to the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market where they say this thing came from. The first thing that tr- like triggered me I was like the man I'm like so who is he? What's his name? Shouldn't Shouldn't they, I mean, how can we don't know? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Okay, let me continue. His family was unaffected and no epidemiological link was found between him and the other lab confirmed cases as of the 2nd of January, 2020. The Wall Street Journal reports that a purported patient zero of COVID-19 may have been infected by parents who visited a different food market than the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market that has been thought to be the primary source of the infection earlier. So this guy's, this mystery man is patient zero, yet he didn't go there, but the Wall Street Journal apparently is telling us that Uh, Maybe he got it from his parents. Okay, who are they? Wouldn't they be patient zero? What I'm trying to tell you is they don't know. They don't fucking know. Actually, I take that back. They, They do know. I think they know exactly where it came from. But if it doesn't fit their story, well, then you're not going to find out about it. It's just, it's just so stupid. This whole like weird, fuzzy, like we, we can't get anything, can't get any details. I just, it doesn't make sense for this type of thing. It, it should be like. Do you understand what I'm saying? We should have more information than this. But we don't. They're giving us this. Uh, it, 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 the doctor at the at the Jin Yantin hospital said the man was in his 70s, had Alzheimer's, lived several bus rides away from the market and had not left his home. Well, how the fuck did he get it? This dude was in his 70s. How old were his parents? A hundred? So the next entry here is the 10th of December. Three more lab confirmed cases on the 10th of December. 
two of these had no direct exposure to a to the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market. The other did. Okay. So there's there's still like how are they so sure it came from this freaking thing if there's no leaks? What? So they don't know how it came from the... Because it didn't... Go, so that's the other thing. It didn't even come from the bats. They said it couldn't have come from the bats. That the progenitor, in other words, its ancestor, started in bats, went to another animal then jumped to humans even though earlier i just said they say that it's not known to spread through animal disease factors and this middle animal they still don't know how is that there's no explanation for this so in frustration of not being able to find too much about the current SARS um, I looked into the original one the original SARS that popped out in late 2002 um, apparently that one was caused by civets which uh, they're like little koala looking things and they thought it was the same way that came through a market and apparently they're over there eating civets too <laughs> and uh, and because of that they ended up Culling a bunch of civets, they just killed like thousands of them in order to uh, stop the. But even then, that one is also originally from bats, and apparently the bats harbor like all these coronaviruses, but they somehow spread to these other animals. They haven't explained how, but. Just trust them. But here's an interesting little note. In 2008, researchers altered the genetic structure of the bat SARS with the human receptor binding domain. What does that mean? These researcher scientists dickheads took the bat SARS altered it and made it compatible with humans why would you do that oh they're doing it to demonstrate how zoo zoonosis might occur in evolution so they had to go in there and alter this thing uh, synthetically. They had to synthetically alter the bat SARS to change it into a hu one that would actually go into humans. 
in order to demonstrate that, hey, look, it could happen in evolution. Yet we can't find the evolution of it. We have bad stars. We have mystery and woo-woo in the middle. And then suddenly we have it. Because they also say there is no direct progenitor of SARS-CoV that was found in the bat populations. So what does that mean? That means the bats had a version of SARS, but it wasn't it wasn't the progenitor of the one that we have. And that's why they said there had to be another animal in between. Because they were testing all the bats, they found one. It had maybe like 80-90% common um, genetics, but not exactly not exactly the same because those weren't compatible with the, with the human. So, bottom line, they don't know where it came from. Or if they do know, they're not letting us know. What's funny is all in, in all the reports and the other things I see, they, um, whenever it's mentioned, like, well, maybe it came from a, a lab, it's always put down. Like, no, that's extremely unlikely. That's what I keep seeing. Extremely unlikely. Well, Extremely unlikely doesn't mean impossible. Shouldn't we at least... If they don't even know what fucking animal it even came from... Or how it came through... Maybe we should look at other ways. I mean, especially if in... 2008, they they took the... They took the, the original bat SARS... And genetically modified it to be to be able to to infect humans. Oh, so we can do it. We can do it synthetically. The scientists can do it. But it definitely didn't come from a lab. It came from an unknown animal. Ooh, a mystery animal. But it definitely did not come from a lab. All right, guys. That's a conspiracy theory. You can go to the wiki. It's under the conspiracy theory that it might have escaped from a lab. Definitely not that. Okay, guys. So when I looked back at the original, the SARS-1, I hope y'all can keep up. I keep calling these things different things. But I mean, they're basically, basically in a sense, the same. Uh, in the original SARS pandemic, they actually did have the uh, patient zero. Um, a guy named Lu Jian Lu, Jun Lao, Jian Lao. 
Lu Jianlao. And I was, as I was reading this, um, the timeline for the original SARS pandemic, something started sticking out. Especially when it came to the numbers. It had some really interesting numbers in this thing. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of these details and these dates. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be like, what the fuck does this even matter? What what does this even mean? Look, all I can say is that there's something to these numbers, okay? I haven't completely figured it out, so I don't want to go out on a limb and say something when I, I'm not really sure. But what I am sure of is that these people, aka the cult, the run, the ones who run things, they love to put their, they love to put their little um, autograph on things. You know how like the wet bandits, it was uh, in uh, Home Alone, like to turn on the fat faucets and, and, and flood it. That was their calling card. That's kind of a real thing when it comes to like serial killers and psychos. They love to brag. They love to throw it in your face. And a lot of times they'll do it in a coded way. It gets them off even more, I guess, telling you telling it to your face without you knowing. I mean, there's plenty of documentaries on, you know, all these serial killers with doing weird shit like that. I mean, we know it's true. So just keep all that in mind and then see if any of these numbers pop out to you. So patient zero, original SARS, Lou, on February 21st, Lou and his wife check into room 911, 9-11, on the ninth floor. Okay. First thing, why why is it even telling you what room he was in? I mean, I guess to go back and trace it to be like, oh, he was here and it spread, blah, blah, blah. Um, room 911 huh? on the ninth floor. Okay. On the morning of February 22nd, 222, he knew he was sick and died by March 4th. And he was the first SARS super spreader, infecting 23 other guests, seven from, seven from the ninth floor. Okay, Lou, Lou's brother dies in the, 
this is the way they worded it in the article. His brother dies in the hospital on 1 March. They put the number 1, March. And died 19 March. In... In Hong Kong, they say a 27-year-old man had visited the ninth floor 11 days earlier. Okay, weird. And apparently this guy came out of the um, it was called the Prince of Wales Hospital and when I looked on the I hovered over Prince of Wales and their little logo came up oh and what do I see what's the first thing that pops out to me I see an upside down cross. To look it up for yourselves, guys. Prince of Wales Hospital. Uh, I see an upside down cross and I see red. The whole thing is red and I see red horns. Uh, Jimmy, you're looking, you're looking for the shin. That's how you find it. Okay. Alright, I mean, to me, I don't think that's a good logo for a hospital, but whatever. What do I know? Apparently, this, um, this demon logo hospital is where a bunch of the, uh, a big spread of the original SARS came from. Um, here was one, one story that I found. I was, it's got a bunch of dates on the timeline. And I was like, let me go down to, uh, 33. Surely there's something good here. So on 3.30, March 30th, 2003, 3.30.03. Supposedly a kidney patient from the Wells Wells Hospital visited brother on the seventh floor of this um, estate this estate where there was a, a big I mean I guess it spread to a bunch more people from there I don't remember the exact numbers but the story was so ridiculous I mean okay so he was a kidney patient. He was at Wells. Apparently, that's where he got it. He then visited his brother on the seventh floor of this estate. And then all these other people end up catching it. But how did they catch it? This is their story. They're saying that he peed inside the toilet 
and that after he peed in the toilet, it got dried up. I don't know what guy dried up, got dried up, the pee or the virus. It got dried up inside the U and P traps in the, in the toilets. You know, the little S curve. So he pees in there and it's all in there. Even though, remember, I did say that in SARS-CoV-2, it does not spread through urine. That's why I mentioned that earlier. But apparently in this case, in the, I mean, it is a different version, but I would think it f functions pretty much the same. So yeah, he pees in these things. And this is the actual quote. It's uh, stuck in these pee traps. A main, a maritime breeze blew into the estate balconies and stairwell vent ventilation. Are you guys getting that? They said that this guy spread it because he peed into the toilet. It got stuck in the toilet in a trap. A breeze, a maritime breeze, I guess an ocean breeze, blew into the state balconies and into the stairwell ventilation. And then I guess people breathed it in and then they got sick. First of all, that's not scientific at all. And then they're all like, well, is it airborne? They didn't know. A maritime breeze, huh? This is what, because, I mean, this is what they're telling us. Does anybody want to call bullshit? They're just making this shit up. I'm telling you guys, they're making this shit up. These, these are just ones that, a couple that stuck out to me. You can go in and you can read all the reports. They're all very spurious. Spurious? I don't know. They're all very, they're iffy stories. They're all like this. They're all like, what? Continuing on with the SARS original SARS-CoV-1. So in May 2004, three new cases linked to diarrhea virus lab. And no, that's not a joke. That's an actual place. So... In May, yeah, three new cases. Diarrhea virus lab. How is that? Well, apparently, they were doing experiments there on live and inactive SARS. So, what they're telling me is, in other words, it came out of a lab. Where they were doing experiments on this shit already and infected other people. Oh, but when you want to go back, 
and say, could the new one have come from my lab? No. No, not possible. Extremely, extremely unlikely. It came from the the mystery animal, the, the alien animal. I mean, I don't know. You can put whatever you want. If you, They're not giving me any proof, any scientific proof or even a real theory. They just have that the one we have is related to the one that the bats have. And that's all they have. Well, I'm sure it's related to a bunch of other ones. Like I said, there's thousands of them. Another note here. So in May 2005, New York Times reports SARS has not been seen outside of lab since then. So after 2005, it it went away and they hadn't seen it. But remember in 2008, I mean, already here, they've already admitted that they had it in labs and they were doing experiments and that some people got it from the lab. I mean, isn't that interesting that they put it like that? SARS has not been seen outside of the lab since then. And um, looking back on that one, they have no treatments. No vaccines, no nothing. I mean, you would think for this thing that was uh, considered a pandemic. How come? um, How come they didn't come up with anything? That sure would have been helpful, huh? Is it because they can't really make a treatment for something like that? In 2020, they reported that there's 45 species of coronavirus. But even under that, that there's supposedly thousands and thousands of variants. That's why it's hard to make treatments. That's why the same thing with flu vaccines and stuff. They basically take a a guess. There's like thousands and thousands, possibly millions of possibilities. So they try to predict, uh, we think it's going to be this one this year. Or they might give you a few different ones. They don't know. Look, that's the thing. They don't fucking know. So they're just taking a wild guess, and then they tell you every year, hey, you got to get it. I have never taken one. And I rarely get sick. I don't know. Maybe I'm just lucky. So what's interesting is that the um, supposedly the first coronavirus was isolated in, wait for it, 1933. But they couldn't get it to replicate. Um, they were using like uh, eggs, like chicken eggs. They, they tried using that and then they, uh, they tried dogs for a while, I believe. And then um, this is just like general 
virology. Uh, monkey kidneys at one point. But in 1965, they were able to get it to replicate. Um, but they had they had to the way they were able to get it to cultivate was by the use of a new technique. They would take it and pass it through the organ culture of a human embryonic trachea. Uh, what did I just say? So in 1965, they were able to get it to, they were able to cultivate it by passing it through the throat of a fetus. I'm assuming it was a dead fetus, but I don't know. It just says a human embryonic trachea. Nice big words there. You kind of have to, I had to go under embryonic. I was like, what? Yeah. I'm thinking it was probably an aborted, an aborted fetus. That's what gets this thing to grow. Why are they doing this? Why? Why are you trying to cultivate this thing? These fucking... These scientists, man. And I'm trying to trash science and scientists, but like... Why? And how do they even think of... Who even thought about this? Let me fucking stuff it through the throat of a fucking fetus. Maybe it'll grow in this. Okay. And so that strain that they originally had cultivated, it was called B814. And apparently they lost it. So these super nerd fucking people doing all this advanced fucking research yet they lose the this whole thing they've been working on it just got lost just disappeared that's all it says it goes into how where it came from or how they cultivate it and then it just disappears Here's one other funny little factoid. I found all the way at the bottom of the COVID-19 wiki page. Basically the last sentence. Uh, I believe it was under um, effect on pharmaceuticals or it said some shit like that. Anyways. Um, so Public Health England. In all of 2021. They've had zero cases of the flu. So flu is gone now. Bunch of people died from it. 
last year and every year before then. But suddenly this year, it's gone. Zero cases. Hmm. How could that be? I read that sentence and I was just like, how? How can anybody accept that? It makes zero sense. Did Corona cure the, the flu, the common flu? Or is it possible that the flu has been reclassified? And now what, what used to be called the flu, now it's COVID-19. Is that possible? What's more possible, that or the fact that the that in England the flu has disappeared? You tell me. What do you think? What makes more sense to you? So the next thing I want to talk about, I'm going to I'm going to take it back way way back. How far? Uh, about 100 years. Taking it back to the as far as history goes, as they say, there's supposed to be, I guess, three major pandemics. The first one being the Black Plague that you heard about that apparently killed everybody. Not everybody, but, you know, supposedly it fucked everybody up. I don't know. It happened so long ago, I don't even know. I mean... I'm sure something was happening, but how do they, how do they know? I don't know. I'm going to have to look more into it, but what I wanted to get into is the, uh, the Spanish flu. That's basically the second major pandemic. And then I'm guessing this new one's going to be the third, the third major one. And maybe not even major. There's been other ones, but you can see a whole list of them according to number. But these are like the three most famous. And these are the ones they refer to. You know, they'll be like, oh, we could have another Spanish flu. Like in 1918. And I heard about that. And I was like, oh, okay. There's, so there's another one back back then about a. And never really clicked. And then I thought about it tomorrow. I was like, oh, 1918. We're in, uh, we're 2019. Oh, so it was almost, almost 100 years ago. I just thought it was interesting that it, it was almost exactly that. Just interesting. It piqued my interest a little bit. I was like, oh. Because what I'm thinking what my current viewpoint is that all is that everything is, I've been saying this since like the first spot that everything is cycles and the way they mess with the calendar and the way they changed everything up uh, 
I think they've made it to where they, ooh, they've made it to where things happen on certain dates. Um, on purpose or it's planned or either it's planned or it's just the way the, the energy works and it just happens. It comes out like that. I mean, I don't truly know, but this is kind of what I'm thinking. So I just, I just thought it was interesting. I was like, okay, that happened almost a hundred years ago. And so then I started uh, looking more into it. Oh, and then what do I find? It, it's the same shit. It's, it's pretty much they. In my mind, they made it seem like this is the first time they've ever done things like this. In other words, mandating mask and you can't and social distancing and all. I thought this, I thought that well, this was the first time it, it ever went down like this. But apparently a hundred years ago, it happened almost exactly the same. They, uh, they put a mask mandate out. Um, they did social distancing. They shut down all the social places. And the best part is they gave everybody uh, the they gave everybody these vaccines, new experimental vaccines. Oh, but you know now we're in the future, so now we can look back and oh, actually, it turns out none of those did anything. They didn't help at all. And so that made me almost think, okay, they didn't help at all. Is it possible they could have made things worse? I mean, you're not going to see, you're not going to see this in uh, mainstream ideas, but let me start going through a couple details and then you can decide for yourself. That's the important thing that you take in information and don't just take it from me. You need to go. And looks at least some of this shit up. That's what I'm telling you. Just spend on. You're going to find something within an hour. You're going to read something. And you're like what? That part doesn't make sense. And so dig a little further. Keep digging. And it's going to be so. I mean, if you're truly honest. It's going to be so obvious that something else is going on. One of the first things that popped out at me, I went back to the uh, Spanish flu of 1918. There's a, if you go to the, um, the wiki, there's, you go kind of down, there's a, there's a news, uh, newspaper from Chicago. Let me just read off some of these headlines. Police raid saloons in war on influenza. Keep church windows open. 
stringent new orders are issued for preventing spread of epidemic. Police ambulances are drafted. 100,000 doses of vaccine on way. Oh, don't worry. They got the vaccine on the way. 1613, 1613, 1613. Interesting. New cases show decrease in city. Downstate hit worse. Okay. Flu, like... This is an old school newspaper. It's not like now we just have one headline. Like, I guess back then they had multiple ones. When was, oh yeah, 1918. So, flu curfew to sound for city Saturday night. Persons not on business expected to quit the streets at nine o'clock. It's interesting going back and reading these because like the, the way they talk and the way they uh, express things. Persons not on business expected to quit the streets at 9 o'clock. The curfew will ring, or rather, blow in Chicago tomorrow night. Promptly at 9 o'clock. That was my uh, dog growling. I think she's growling at the neighbor. Hey! Shh! Trying to record a podcast, goddammit. Promptly at 9 o'clock, the whistles. Uh, but now I'm going to save that one for last. Um, health order dooms Lodge Hall, Lodge Hall cobwebs. I have no idea what that means. Great ban on all meetings until places are renovated. 21 theaters reopen. I guess they were closed. Interesting. That's one of the first things that happened here too, right? Theaters, boom. Nope, that's not going to happen. Grip vigilance still needed. Dr. Robertson warns against relaxing precaution, despite wane of epidemic. So this is already in 1918, supposedly the very beginning of it. Yet this dude, uh, Dr. Robertson, I'm assuming he's the Dr. Fauci of uh, 1918. He's warning against relaxing precaution. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. It could come out even worse if you do. Next headline. Non-essential crowds barred in epidemic war. Churches and saloons exempt. Conventions, athletics, parties hit. Nope, can't do none of that shit. I'm actually kind of surprised because I didn't think they'd be able to actually enforce something like this back then, especially without the 24 hours news cycle and no Internet. You know, everybody saying this shit. I guess I I mean, I guess a lot of people back then read the newspaper. I mean, I know they did growing up. I used to go deliver newspapers with my aunt. And uh, yeah, a lot of people did. But that fell off. Uh, here's another little blurb from the front page. Free doctor. Influenza victims unable to pay for a doctor can attain one by calling Maine, blah, 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 blah. A free doctor. Hmm. 
here's my thing. Once nothing's free, nothing's free. Okay. Church windows must stay open, says Robertson. I guess he was a he was a religious dude or a I don't know pastor or something. I don't know, it doesn't say, so I don't know who the fuck Robertson is. But really, that whole thing really surprised me about this whole thing that they were able to actually close churches. I thought for sure that was like the one thing where they'd be like, you know, separation of church and state, which doesn't really mean what a lot of people thinks. But like, I'm like, well, you can't shut down. You can't shut down a church, right? I mean, like. I don't know. I just I didn't think that was they could do that. You like. You know, I don't know, really, like, how many people actually even go to church nowadays? I gotta admit, most of the people I know don't go. The few people that I know that do go, they're, um, they're a little weird. (laughs) Sorry to say, (laughs) they're a little weird. When one of my friends tells me, like, yeah, I'm at church, I'm like, what? But also, in all honesty, I've been thinking about going to church. Just because I'm like, maybe I, uh, you know, I'm older now and like maybe now I can kind of see what they're. All my memories from church are when I was a kid. This shit fucking sucked. I hate. I hated going to church. I'm sorry to say, but I hated going to church as a kid. The stories were ridiculous. Because I was taking them all as literal. Which now I don't think they are. Mostly symbolic. And even, it it wasn't until recently that because for a while, I did kind of understand. I was like, okay, it's symbolic. It, it means this, or it's trying to do this. But as you keep learning more and more, then you you can actually kind of apply and actually understand, okay, what the meaning behind that symbology and why they put that there. It's, things start to come over, come together more. Uh, but I don't know. I'd have to find a, I don't know, like a really cool church. And what is a cool church to me? One of them be like, they're demons. Like, I want to go to one of those cool churches where they like, they exercise demons and like they slap your head and you fall on the ground. I don't want to be that person. I'll just be in like in the audience be like, damn, that nigga's possessed. But. I also don't, I, I don't know about talking in tongues. I don't, I don't know about that. That might freak me out. Let me get back to this uh, newspaper. Um. Yeah, I think I basically, uh, I read all, oh yeah, except for this one. This one's my favorite. Open face sneezers to be arrested. 
Orders to arrest. What the hell? Orders to arrest any person indulging in the open face, sneeze, or cough. So in other words, if you don't have, because what's funny is so they did this mask mandate and there's these people who were against it, the, uh, the anti-mask league, uh, I don't know, it's, is that what they were called? Uh, something like that. Oh yeah, 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 here we go. Actually, no, this isn't that part. But yeah, there's these people who are like, no, no, the, the masks don't work. Doesn't all this shit sound familiar? So it just trips me out that 100 years ago, almost to the dot, we have this crazy pandemic. And that what are they like? Every, the solutions are all the same. And that newspaper was from 1918, and it just got worse from there. That was just the beginning. That wasn't the climax, supposedly. And I, I don't know. How come I've never heard of this? I mean, I've heard of Spanish flu, but I, yeah, it was bad. It almost killed a third of the people. Which, by the way, that's actually not even true. Because when you see on here, it'll say the Spanish flu, how many deaths? Uh, 17 up to 100 million. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big range. Because you know what happened? They were exaggerating the whole thing. It was an exaggeration. That, that, that many, it wasn't a hundred million people. And they admitted in this freaking, you know, updated studies or whatever. Yet they keep on using this thing. They keep going back to it to as fear to be like, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to happen again. What's going to happen? This thing that didn't really happen. But it did happen. Like I'm going to get into some of these details. And it's just fucking everything contradicts itself. Leaning more towards that it wasn't really, it really wasn't even the, the virus. And, oh, guess what? Guess what else is happening around this time? World War One. Oh, interesting. So this crazy, the, the, the biggest pandemic since the the Black Plague starts exactly during World War One. I. I wonder if the facts could have. I mean, I wonder if it, there was any confusion during the war. I wonder if uh, the victors decided to ch change a little, 
little facts here and there. Nah, nah, nah. It's, it's exactly how they said. Well, no, let, let's, 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 let's get into this. So where did the f first outbreak of the Spanish flu come from? Did it come from civets or bats? No, um, they, they don't know. They just don't know. They, that's just what unknown. But the first, quote, observations of the illness were documented in the U.S., in Kansas, in March 1918. Uh, where in Kansas? Uh, at a fort. A military fort. Soldiers at Fort Riley, Kansas, come down with the flu. You could say, okay, people who came back from the war, maybe they were carrying something. Or maybe it, that's where it started. Hmm. At a military base, the very first observations of it. Uh, in here, it even says, uh, in order to maintain morale... The World War One censors minimize these early reports. They don't want they don't want the troops to get sad. Yeah, it just got a, the war was kind of basically coming to an to an end at that point, and uh, yeah, this thing comes out mysteriously. But you know what? In Spain, they were neutral, so. The newspaper there were free to report its effects. And uh, King Alfonso XIII, um, it says right here, such as the illness of King Alfonso XIII. And these stories created a false impression of Spain as especially hard hit. This gave rise to the name Spanish flu. So they lied and made it sound worse than it was. The newspapers did. Wow. That doesn't seem like something they would do. Uh, and that's how I got the name Spanish flu. It sounds exactly like a, remember when they call it Wuhan virus? But then they were scared that people were going to be like anti-Asian. And they're still trying to play that sh shit. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's anti-Asian. I mean, I know a lot of people will crack jokes about Asians, but they'll crack jokes about everybody. Especially their own race. It's not because the race is... It's because they have a sense of humor, okay? I just... I don't even... <sighs> Me, personally, I don't believe this whole anti-Asian sentiment thing. 
I just don't, I don't see it. Maybe it's because I'm in my own little world, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't think it's, no. I love Asian food. And I love the Japanese. Well, mainly I like their, their anime and their food and some other shit. You know, it's getting a little off topic now. So I'm reading in this thing and um, they're trying to explain like what, well, what happened? Why did it fuck, fuck so many people up? Scientists offer several possible explanations for the high mortality rate of the 1918 influenza pandemic, including a severe six-year climate anomaly that affected the migration of disease vectors and increased the likelihood of spread of the disease through bodies of water. I'm sorry, did that... That didn't really make sense to you? Let me repeat it. Including a severe six-year climate anomaly that affected the migration of disease vectors and increased the likelihood of spread of the disease through bodies of water. Like I said earlier, they're making shit up. That's a bunch of nonsense. How did they figure out? There's no, there's way too many variables to for them So what they're trying to say, it's climate change. There was a crazy El, El Nino that year, and that's why there was some kind of, and it's spread through bodies of water. Some analysis have shown the virus to be particularly deadly because it triggers a cytokine storm which ravages the stronger immune system of young adults. Okay, so they just told me how bad it is. It's killing all these young people. And because it's because there was a weird uh, six year climate anomaly. But uh, check this out. In contrast, a 2007 analysis. Uh, so that first quote about the anomaly, the weather anomaly and all that, I was like, who who said this bullshit? G, uh, it was a uh, geo health. In other words, world, world health. The impact of a six year climate anomaly on the Spanish flu pandemic. Thanks, GeoHealth. In contrast, a 2007 analysis of medical journals. Oh, so the, the, that first one was from some magazine or something. Saying all this crazy shit happened and that's why it fucked everyone up. But when they do uh, an actual analysis in the current era, 2007. Journals from the... Medical journals from the period of the pandemic found that the viral infection was no more aggressive than previous influenza strains. So now with new technology, they went back and they're like, oh, 
you know what? It actually turns out it was pretty much just like every other flu. Well, then why did all these people die? Oh, instead, malnourishment, overcrowded medical camps and hospital, and poor hygiene, all exacerbated by the recent war, promoted bacterial superinfection. So it was all bacteria. It was bacteria and it was because of the war, the malnourishment, the crowded medical camps, poor hygiene. We're talking about 1918 here. And so what they're basically saying is it wasn't really it wasn't really the flu. It was actually poor hygiene and war conditions. So that totally goes in the face of saying that, hey, the virus is what killed or, yeah, that what caused all this. And so now you know why, how come, how come the deaths range from 17 to 100 million? That's a wide range. Because for the longest time they've been pushing it that it's been it, that's what killed all these people. It was this it was this it was this. But actually, when they, I mean, and they admit it right here when they go back and look back on the medical journals, they realized uh, actually, actually, it was the uh, it was other things. Could it be possible that the same thing's happening now? That sounds similar to me. The pandemic is conventionally marked as having begun on 4th March 1918. Started with the case of Albert Gitchell, an army cook at Camp Funston. Guess it wasn't so fun after all. Horrible joke. Anyways, interesting. Okay, so yeah, it started out at a military base. By 11 March 1918, the virus had reached Queens. And so what they say is because the U.S. had entered World War One. The disease spread from Camp Funston to, they make all these connections. Well, then it, it went from here and then it, it probably went here and then, and then it probably went here. Um, but I mean, there's no real way to actually know that there just isn't there. These are just theories that they're making. Up. Yeah, this is, this is the way it happened. But once I start reading further down, there apparently uh, it's it's argued. They don't really know where it uh, doesn't this sound from it. They don't know where when it came from. The biggest pandemic since the Black Plague, and this they still don't know. Okay.
Here's one interesting thing I saw. So the first wave of the flu lasted from the first quarter 1918 was, and was relatively mild. Mortality rates were not appreciably above normal. The, in the U.S., 75,000 flu-related deaths were reported in the first six months of 1918, compared to the 63,000. So they kind of have to admit, okay, yeah, um, not that many more people died the next year in that same period. Yet they're already kind of hyping it up. There were no reported quarantines during the first quarter of 1918. However, the first wave caused a significant disruption in the military operations of World War I. With three quarters of French troops, half of British forces, and over 900,000 German soldiers sick. The second wave began in August. Probably, probably spreading to Boston and Freetown, Sierra Leone, by ships from Brest, where it had likely arrived in American troops or French recruits for naval training. So in that whole sentence, there was a probably and a likely. Probably, likely, American or French. In other words, they don't... They're just making shit up again. And then they they just keep... I mean, I'm reading this. It's, then it spread to this. Then it spread to that. Oh... So, under potential origins, despite its name, historical and epidemiological data cannot identify the geographic origin of the Spanish flu. So, no matter what, they, they just don't know. They don't know. That's what they're telling you right there. However, several theories have been proposed. The first confirmed confirmed cases originating in the U.S. started in Kansas. Um, But other people in, or other, um, an evolutionary biology professor in 2018 found, uh, said that the, the flu that they broke out there really wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as the one in New York City. The study did find evidence that through phylogenetic analysis that the virus likely had a North American origin, though it was not conclusive. In addition, the Hemagglutin glycoproteins of the virus itself suggest that it originated long before 1918. And other studies suggest that the reassortment of the H1N1 virus likely occurred in or around 1915. So, this reassortment of this virus that they don't know where it came from possibly started in or around 1915 in the middle 
of World War One. Hmm. Just take a note of that. Uh, the next thing it says in Europe, a major UK troop staging and hospital cap in Etaples in France was theorized by virologist John Oxford. Ooh, quite a last name. Sound important. So I was like, well, who's this guy? He's an English virologist and professor at Queen Mary University of London. He is a leading expert on influenza, including bird flu and the 1918 Spanish influenza and HIV AIDS. Oh, he, those are his specialty. The flu and AIDS. The reason I sound like that is, well, there's interesting connections between HIV AIDS and these flus. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to fit it in here, but you can go, go look it up for yourself. Okay. But so in his study, it found that in 1916, the camp was hit by an onset of new disease with high mortality that caused symptoms similar to the flu. Again, guys, you all got to keep in mind they didn't even they they didn't know about viruses. The viruses are so small you can't see them with the microscope. They're nano meat like they're crazy small. They the whole time they thought it was a, some kind of bacteria that they thought was was doing it. It wasn't until they got a, an electron microscope, which was around, I don't know the exact, around 1930. It wasn't until that they actually had an electron microscope and supposedly then they were able to show the virus. Have you ever thought why you've never seen a, a, a like an actual photo of a virus? Everywhere you go, you just see little 3D animations. Hmm, it reminds me of outer space. Every time I see a quote photo of a planet or something, guess what? It's not a photo. It's an image. There's a difference. So, also found it interesting. Oh, well, this guy's saying it, it could have started here at another army barracks. You could ar arguably say like, oh, well, it makes sense. So it was all these people and crammed into a single thing. But like, they don't know where it's coming from, but it keeps breaking out around these, uh, these military bases. But you know, I don't think, I don't think the military would be, uh, investigating uh, bioweapons, especially not during a, a world war. Uh, another report published in 2016 in the Journal of Chinese Medi 
the Journal of the Chinese Medical Association found that the 1918 virus had been circulating in European armies for months, possibly years. Another dude says it could have began in Austria in 1970. In 2009, the Spanish flu mortality simultaneously peaked within a two-month period of October and November 1918. In all 14 European countries analyzed, which is inconsistent with a pattern that researchers would expect if the virus had originated somewhere in Europe and spread outwards. So, once again, it's just all conflicting information. In 1993, some dude, who cares, at the Pasteur Institute. Oh, the past, past, Louis, Louis Pasteur. He's, he's the guy that taught everybody that, that the reason you get sick is these little these little things that you can't see that they're getting you sick. You know what's interesting they're blaming you know they're blaming all this stuff on virus viruses but you remember growing like when I was growing up, all germs were bad. Germs were just bad. You did not want any germs. Just kill germs. Germs are what get you sick. They're the, the, no, no germs. It wasn't until more recently and they came to the conclusion, oh, you know what? Actually, some of them are actually good. And actually, we're made out of um, a bunch of them. Oh, well, did you know we're also made out of a bunch of viruses, too? We just have them innately. And that's why this, a lot of people are kind of anti, uh, you know, you go to the doctor and they just get you uh, antibiotics. That was the, the answer for long, just antibiotics, just, just kill the germs, just kill the germs. That's, that's the answer. Without even taking into consideration of the, uh, the, I guess the positive ones, I mean the natural ones, the one that you, you're supposed to have. Oh, and now it turns out, oh yeah, it actually you do need them and it's good to have them in your gut because that's your main immune. Yet when you go to the doctor and you feel sick, the first thing they do is give you these pills that kills all your gut biome. But don't worry guys, they have all the answers because they, they know. Because of science. But I keep reading all the all this history and I mean, I don't know. It's just so the whole the craziest part is this whole time they they uh they think it's a it's because of a bacteria, but no, it turns out supposedly it's from a it's from a virus. that nobody can see with a microscope you need an electron microscope so you can get a digital image on the screen and that'll show 
Who the fuck has an electron microscope? We just have to take their words that they're they're not fucking bullshitting us. But these things are fucking real. Like, have you ever seen a virus? No, nobody has. Am I saying they don't exist? No, no I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in a common sense way, this whole thing is based on something you can't see. You just have to take their word for it. Just like um, their little rover on Mars. All right, I, I'm getting into a different. I don't want to. I don't want to go down that route. So, getting back to this, under the section misdiagnosis, because the virus that causes the disease was too small to be seen under a microscope at the time, there were problems with correctly diagnosing it. The bacterium Haemophilus influenzae was in, influenzae was mistakenly thought to be the cause as it was big enough to be seen and present in many though not all patients for this reason a vaccine that was used against the bacillus did not make an infection rarer but did decrease the death rate hmm, this sounds familiar sounds like the current vaccines that I see headlines now. Uh, you, even if you get it, you can actually still get it with a, a breakthrough COVID. So it doesn't even really protect you. It's basically what it, it's saying. Why the fuck would I even want it? I, I don't. I don't want it. Maybe you want. Maybe you do. Another common misdiagnosis was typhus, which was common in circumstances of social upheaval and was therefore also affecting Russia in the aftermath of the October Revolution. Hmm. In Chile, the view of the country's elite was that the nation was in severe decline, and therefore the assumption of doctors was that the disease was typhus caused by poor hygiene and not an infectious one causing a mismanaged response which did not ban mass gatherings chili fucked up they did not ban the mass gatherings hmm, sounds familiar then the next part goes into the role of climate conditions and you know what i'm not even going to go into this part because First of all, it's coming from Harvard Harvard University. Oh, what are you talking about? Jimmy, it's Harvard. They're one of the most prestige. I don't trust any of those esteemed colleges. You know why? Because I'm a, a, a pleb idiot. And I think I know things. And the smart people don't. That's why. <laughs> uh, like, I'm not going to read it because it's, it's just going to be a bunch of stupid, just like, 
like the sentence I read earlier, brought on by a certain anomaly that caused vector... Man, this shit doesn't... It, you're hiding shit behind words. Like lawyers do behind legalese. The same thing with like medical... It's basically its own language, and they're hiding behind it because most, most everybody is not gonna even understand that shit. I don't even really understand. And I admit that, but I, I mean, I've, I'm getting a better idea reading all these freaking journals and all this. I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm better than a majority of the people that I know. You know, I'm talking about normal people every day. Anyways, the next section, responses. While systems for alerting public health authorities of infectious spread did exist in 1918, they did not generally include influenza, leading to a delayed response. Oh, no. Nevertheless, actions were taken. Maritime quarantines were declared on islands such as Iceland, Australia, and American Samoa, saving many lives. How do they know that? Anyways, social distancing measures were introduced. For example, closing schools, theaters, places of worship, limiting public transportation, and banning math, mass gatherings. Wearing face masks became common in such places, such as Japan, though there were debates over their efficacy. There was also to, some resistance to their use, as exemplified by the Anti-Mask League of San Francisco. Vaccines were also developed but as these were based on bacteria and not actual virus, they could only help with secondary infections. Oh, they didn't know. The actual enforcements of various restrictions varied. To a large extent, the New York City Health Commissioner ordered businesses to open and close on staggered shifts to avoid overcrowding on the subways. A later study found that measures such as banning mass gatherings and requiring the wearing of face masks could cut the death rate up to 50%. But this was dependent on their being imposed early in the outbreak and not being lifted premature, prematurely. Am I, am I reading something from 1918 or 19 or 2019? Sounds like the same shit. Medical treatment. As there were no antiviral drugs to treat the virus and no antibiotics to treat the secondary, secondary bacterial infections, doctors would rely on a random assortment of medicines with varying degrees of effectiveness, such as aspirin, quinine, arsenics. Isn't that poison? Digitalis. Strychnine. Isn't that poison? Epsom salts castor oil, and iodine. 
Treatments of traditional medicine, such as bloodletting, Ayurveda, and Kempo, were also applied. Traditional medicine, such as bloodletting, which, uh, I mean, most of the medical establishment agrees that that didn't really do shit. I wonder if we could make, be making similar mistakes now. I wonder. Information dissemination. Due to World War One, many countries engaged in wartime censorship. Like the war we're in now with the invisible enemy. Hmm, do I see more censorship happening lately? Yes and suppress reporting of the pandemic. For example, the Italian newspaper, blah, 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 was prohibited from reporting daily death tolls. Newspapers at the time were also generally paternalistic and worried about mass panic. Misinformation also spread along with the disease. In Ireland, there was a belief that noxious gases were rising from the mass graves of Flanders fields and being blown all over by the, the world by winds. There were also rumors that the Germans were behind it. For example, by poisoning aspirin manufactured by Bayer or by releasing poison gas from U-boats. Hmm, so at the time there was these rumors, huh? that they were poisoning the aspirin manufactured by Bayer, a German company. So you're at war with this country, yet you're buying the medicine that they make? And then wondering if maybe they could be poisoning by Bayer. Mm, does Bayer ring a bell? Oh, didn't they get caught uh, handing out a bunch of, uh, was it vaccines or something? I don't remember the exact headline, but you'll find it if you look for it. They had, um, they had knowingly passed out these vaccines that were uh, infected with AIDS or HIV. It could have been another disease, but basically the point is they knew it was in there and they still sent it out. And that was recently. I'm not talking about this. But interesting that the Germans were up to that or rumors they were up to that. Interesting. I'll uh, put a little note on that. I'm going to possibly get back to that later. So what were some of its effects in the grander scheme of things? According to this dude, an academic, Andrew Price Smith, he says that basically the, because of that, because of the pandemic, it basically uh, helped the allies win. He provides data that the viral waves hit the central powers before the allied powers. 
and that both morbidity and mortality in Germany and Austria were considered higher than in Brit Britain and France. Apparently, Germany had a mortality rate of 0.76, Austria 1.61, compared to Britain, 0.34, and France 0.75. Kenneth Kahn at Oxford University Computing Services. Oh, Oxford again. Interesting. Many researchers have suggested that the conditions of the war significantly aided in the spread of the disease, and others have argued that the course of the war and subsequent peace treaty was influenced by the pandemic. Khan has developed a model that can be used on home computers to test these theories. Cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that. Not economic impact. Many businesses in the entertainment and service industries suffered losses in revenue, while the healthcare industry reported profit gains. So, this sounds real familiar again. Historian Nancy Bristow argued that with the increasing number of women attending college contributed to the success of the women in the field of nursing, this was due in part to the failure of medical doctors, who are predominantly men, to contain and prevent the illness. Nursing staff, who were mainly women, celebrated the success of their patient care and did not associate the spread of, of the disease with their work. They're the heroes. Oh, they're all heroes. A 2020 study found that U.S. cities that implemented, implemented early and extensive non-medical measures, quarantine, etc., suffered no additional adverse economic effects due to implementing these those measures when compared with cities that implemented measures late or not at all so i like how they worded that there so the u.s cities that implemented the quarantines suffered no additional adverse economic effects you see how they tried to basically take back what they said in the paragraph before many businesses in the entertainment and service industry suffered losses in revenue while the healthcare industry reported profit gains oh like the vaccine companies are doing now under legacy it says despite the high morbidity and mortality rates <clears throat> that resulted from the ep epidemic, the Spanish flu began to fade from public awareness over the decades until the arrival of news about bird flu and other pandemics in the 1990s and 2000s. This has led some histori historians to label the Spanish flu a forgotten pandemic. There are various theories why the Spanish flu was forgotten. The rapid pace... Uh, killed it, killed victims within less than nine months, resulted in limited media coverage. Weird, because apparently it was all over the newspapers. Here's, here's an interesting. In some areas, the flu was not reported on. The only mention being that of 
advertisements for medicines claiming to cure it. The ad, so the ads were everywhere. It's funny when you turn on the news. Are you going to get your Johnson & Johnson? Are you going to get your Pfizer? Are you going to get your Moderna? They're limited. Are you, are you having trouble finding it? It's so hard to get one. Everybody wants one, but it's, it's just so hard to get one. Maybe you should be trying harder to, to try and get one. Whatever. So here's another just adorable article I found on uh, historyofvaccines.org. Sounds legit. So basically they go in Re uh, they're getting to first they talk about kind of the numbers I already went over all that so researchers and health workers in the US and Europe were confidently devising vaccines and immunizing hundreds of thousands of people in what amounted to a medical experiment on the grandest scale yeah just throwing it in your face yeah they they didn't know what they were doing. They were just doing a, a big medical experiment. Wow, all these little bells keep ringing in my head. I wonder why. What were the vaccines they came up with? Did they do anything to protect the immunized and halt the spread of the disease? Uh, then it gets into the stats and admits, yeah, um... Uh, most of them actually died from pneumonia. Well, they would get the flu and then that would cause pneumonia. But remember, they didn't even, they didn't know. Supposedly, they didn't know. At the time, they had a smallpox vaccine. Uh, our boy Louis Pasteur again developed a rabies vaccine. Which, I mean, I gotta admit, if I get bit by, like, a, a ravenous, like, fucking, uh, raccoon or something, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna go get a rab rabies vaccine. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. But, um, uh, then there was a diphtheria antitoxin, a medication made from blood of previously infected animals. Yeah, that since the 1800s, a diphtheria vaccine, and um, this guy Almroth Wright had tested a whole cell pneumococcal vaccine in South African gold miners in 1911. So this guy was uh, doing tests on black people in 1911. Manufacturers had developed and sold various mixed heat-killed bacterial stock vaccines 
of dubious usefulness. So all these vaccine manufacturers were basically making bullshit that didn't really work. Yeah, but that was a hundred years ago. It's different now. In terms of knowledge of influenza as an infectious disease, not a great deal was understood at the time because they didn't know about viruses. The tools of the time were only able to detect bacteria, not smaller pathogens. German scientist Richard Pfeiffer 1858 to 1945 claimed Richard Pfeiffer sounds like Pfizer no relation claimed to have identified a causative agent of influenza in a publication in 1892 why because he was looking under a microscope and he saw the certain bacteria in a lot of the people who he supposedly thought had it and so he's like oh it was this it was the it was Pfeiffer's influenza bacillus as it was called but he actually he was he was totally wrong and people actually back then were uh, saying that hey uh there's actually other people who are getting the flu and they don't have this. So you're saying this causes this, but then you got things that go that go otherwise. So is it possible you're wrong? No, well, um, the true believers had reason to be hopeful that a vaccine could prevent influenza as the disease began its second appearance in the United States in early fall 1918 so remember this is kind of the fall of 1918 is the supposed when this second the first wave remember was basically nothing it was just the regular flu but by fall okay by october 2nd 10-2 1918-1918 William H. Park, MD, head bacteriologist of New York City Health Department. What? Shh. No. By October sec by October 2nd, 1918. So 10-2-1918. William H. Park, MD, head bacteriologist of New York City Health Department, was working on Pfeiffer's bacteria influenza vaccine, which didn't do anything. The New York Times reported that Royal S. Copeland, health commissioner of New York City, described the vaccine as an influenza preventative and an application of an old idea to a new disease. Park was making his vaccine from heat killed Pfeiffer's bacilli, isolated from ill individuals and testing it on volunteers from health department staff. New York Times, October 2nd, 1918. 
Three doses were given 48 hours apart. By October 12th, he wrote in New York Medical Journal that he was vaccinating employees from large companies and soldiers in army camps. He hoped to have evidence to demonstrate the effectiveness of the vaccine in a few weeks. Interesting. So they're working on this vaccine and they're giving it to all these uh, soldiers in army camps. Wait a second. Where's one of the theories that it came from? Army camps in the fall of 1918. Oh, okay. In November, Newark Evening News reported 39,000 doses of Leary Park influenza had been prepared and that most doses were used. Timothy Leary was a professor at Tufts University School of Medicine. And no, this isn't the Timothy Leary that did all the acid and all that stuff. I thought it was. I was like, no way freaking this freaking acid dude was involved with viruses. It honestly wouldn't have surprised me at this point, but it's not the same dude. Uh, maybe they could be related. Uh, I didn't dig that far, but at first I thought it was him. Anyways, continuing here. Though it was too soon to tell if the vaccine was effective. The average person need have no fear of the results of the vaccine. Neurotic and rheumatoid individuals, however, appear to be sensitive to the vaccine. Neurotic people appear to be sensitive to the vaccine. The fuck does that even mean? while children take it with less disturbance than adults. By December 13th, 1918, Copeland was not so confident about his department's vaccine. He told the Times that vaccines made from Pfeiffer's bacilli appeared to have no effect on influenza prevention. Rather, rather he was confident that a mixed bacterial vaccine Streptococcal, strep, pneumococcal, pneumonia, staphylococcal, staph, and Pfeiffer's bacilli. Developed by E.C. Rosenau. Rosicrucians. At the Mayo Foundation was an effective preventative. Oh, you know what? That one's not working that good. What we need to do is we need to give everybody a mixed bacterial vaccine. One that has strep, pneumonia, staph, and Pfeiffer's bacilli. Who knows what the fuck that even is. Developed at the Mayo Foundation. Oh, well, they're trustworthy. And while he thought that most people in New York had already been exposed to the Spanish flu, he mentioned he would have Park prepare some of the Rosenau vaccine to immunize people in New York throughout the winter. New York Times, 1918. Well more than 500 
thousand doses of Rosenau vaccine were produced. Half a million doses of this vaccine, supposedly, that had all these back four different kinds of known bad bacteria. Oh, wait a second. Didn't the top part say that most of the people died from pneumonia and not actually the virus? And we're injecting half a million people with pneumococcal mixed with other shit? You tell me, do you think it's... Because we all know sometimes you get the flu shot and you actually get the flu. And we're talking about 1918. So in 1918, everyone is making all these bacteria vaccines and just handing them out left and right. And strangely, after that, there's a big outbreak. A supposedly virus, but more likely actually bacterial infections right after they hand out all these vaccines. Look, if you if you can't start putting dots together, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm not going to spell it out for you. All right. I mean, just think about what. Wow. So according to them, they totally were just, they were all wrong. They were going after the wrong thing at their solution. But nowhere in here does it even suggest that maybe it was a side effect from all these mixed bacteria vaccines. Is it possible? I mean, I don't know. I just think it's real fucking convenient that they have all this shit and they're injecting it to all the troops and then all the troops go and then supposedly they spread it and it all happens to be starting it in army camps and they're putting out all these you know, they're handing out these vaccines in late 1918, and then it comes in hard right after that. Hmm. Starting to see patterns, starting to see cycles. Interesting. University of Pittsburgh, Tulane University, and even private physicians were making their own vaccines. Convalescent serum was also used. Deseret Evening News noted on December 14, 1918, that free vaccine was available in communities around the state. What did I say? Nothing's free. So you're telling me these people are putting in all this research and all this money to make all this stuff? Because they care about all of it. Because they care. It has nothing to do with money. Right.
based on my survey of newspaper medical journal articles from the time, it is clear that many hundreds of thousands, if not a million or more doses of vaccines were produced during the pandemic years. Hmm. A few years ago, I wrote another blog post about Rosenau's vaccine and other vaccines. The American Journal of Public Health tried to put a damper on people's expectations about the vaccines. They wrote in January 1919 that the causative organism of the current flu was still unknown, and therefore vaccines being produced had only a chance at being directed at the right target. They noted that vaccines for secondary infections made some sense, but that all vaccine being produced must be viewed as experimental. Sounds familiar. Acknowledging the somewhat ad hoc nature vaccine development in the current crisis, they urged that control groups be used with all vaccines and that the differences between the control and experimental group be minimized. As to risk, as to risk of exposure, time of exposure to imprint, and so on. Certainly none of the vaccines describe above prevented viral influenza infection. Certainly. We now know that influenza is caused by a virus. Duh, dummies. And none of the vaccines protected against it. But were any of them protective against the bacterial infections that developed secondary to the flu? Vaccinologist. Mm, never heard of that. Stanley A. Plotkin, MD, thinks they were not. He told us the bacterial vaccines developed for the Spanish flu were probably ineffective because at the time it was not known that pneumococcal bacteria came in many, many serotypes. And the bacterial group they called B, influenzae, is only one type of major pathogen. In other words, the vaccine developers had little ability to identify isolate and produce all the potential disease-causing strains of bacteria circulating at the time. <sighs> Same shit. Indeed, today's pneumococcal vaccine for children protects against 13 serotypes of that bacteria. And interesting number. And the vaccine for adults protects against 23 serotypes. So make sure you get your pneumococcal vaccine. A 2010 article, however, describes the meta-analysis of bacterial vaccine studies from 1918-19, suggests a more favorable interpretation. Based on 13 studies, the authors came to conclude some of the vaccines could have reduced the attack rate of pneumonia after influenza infection. They suggest that despite the limited numbers of bacteria strains in the vaccines, vaccination could have led to cross-protection for multiple related strains. Well, this could have done this, and this could have done... Y'all ain't saying shit. It was not until the 1930s that researchers established the influenza was in fact caused by a virus, not a bacteria. Pfeiffer's influenza bacillus would eventually be named 
Haemophilus influenzae, the name retaining its legacy of its long-standing, though inaccurate, association with influenza. And today, influenza vaccines, as well as H. influenzae type B vaccines, are widely available to prevent illness. So, um, wow, I just saw this right now. At the bottom, Editorial Committee of American Public Health Association, a working program against influenza. Nine, the date is 1919 That was one of the sources. 1919 You know, speaking of uh, all these ones and nines, I just put in a. This made me start digging into uh, World War One. And the first one of the first thing, like how it all started. Well, turns out this uh, Bosnian Serb Yugoslav nationalist assassinated the Austro-Hungarian heir, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And it says that this dude was a member of the Black Hand Military Society. I was like, Black Hand? Ooh. Sounds creepy. Sounds like the Hidden Hand. I hover over it. Oh, what do we have here? A flag with the skull and crossbones. Mm, skull and crossbones. Who else has that? Oh yeah, the skull and crossbones from Yale. The secret society from that Ivy League college. That uh, you know your old boy uh, George Bush and George Bush Jr. both went to. Nice guys. Um. It's not like their uh, grandpa had a hand in funding uh, the Nazis. No. I just, I, I thought, that, oh, and then what else is down here? It was a secret military society formed in 1901. Man, these, all these ones and nines, weird. So, the last thing I'm going to just touch on right quick, I mean, this thing's way longer than I anticipated, but I just want to leave you all with this one thing right here. When I was getting into the whole uh, World War One thing, because I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it could have been, you know, I started kind of going down like, well, what? What if it was the vaccines? Or what if it was the Germans? Or what if it was whatever? And the deaths were all getting mixed up. And it was during the war. So could it have been other things? Could it have been other weapons? Could it have been chemical weapons? And who who was the best at the chemical weapons at the time? Of course, the Germans. And most of those uh, chemical weapons were made by... Uh, 
the Kaiser Wilhelm, Wilhelm Society for Advancement of Science. The German Kaiser Wilhelm Gieselschaffer zu Fordenburg der Weissenschaften. Hey, I tried. All right. Was a, was a German scientific institution established in the German Empire in, drumroll please, 1911. The functions were taken over by the Max Planck Society. Oh, that sounds familiar to me. Those are the guys that tell us all about the, uh, you know, subatomic parts and all the fucking more shit that nobody can see or fucking really prove. Just taking them. And I'm looking at their little pictures here. The former Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Chemistry in Berlin. The place at which nuclear fission was first detected. Under that, the former Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Biology. So, they're really big on chemistry and of developing chemical weapons, and they were big on biology. No, no, no mention of biological weapons, though. Hmm. This, the KWG for short, founded in 1911 in order to promote natural sciences in Germany. So, one of the, who, who are the other people in this thing? Oh, look who we have here, Mr. Albert Einstein. Oh, interesting. He was in there too. You're the smartest man that ever existed. I mean, I don't know if they still say that, but it's kind of like, anyways. Uh, here's another one more, another little thing. external to Germany, Germany, the Rockefeller Foundation granted students worldwide one-year study stipends for whichever institute they chose. Some studied in Germany. In contrast to the German universities with their formal independence from state administrations, the, the institutions of Kaiser Wilhelm Gesellschaft had no obligation to teach students. The Kaiser Wilhelm Institute and its research facilities were involved in weapons research, experimentation, and production in both the First World War and the Second World War. During World War One, the group, in particular Fritz Haber, was responsible for introducing the use of poison gas as a weapon. Uh, so it was these guys that came out with those weapons. Oh, and they're all about biology too. And they're all about weapons research, but they didn't make a biological weapon. FYI. In the next little slide, the Holocaust. Some of the weapons and medical research performed by the KWI was connected to fatal human experimentation on living subjects. Prisoners. 
in Nazi concentration camps. In fact, members of the KWI of anthropology, human heredity, and eugenics, hmm. particularly Otmar von Rorschach, whatever, received, received preserved Jewish bodies and body parts, such as eyes for study and display from Auschwitz. These were provided by his pupil, Dr. Joseph Mengele, otherwise known as the Angel of Death, from prisoners in his charge. He specialized in examining twins and their genetic relationship, especially for their eye color and other qualities. Mm -hmm. As the American forces closed in on the relocated KWI, the organization's president, Albert Vogler, an industrialist and early Nazi party backer committed suicide, supposedly. Just like Hitler did, supposedly. Knowing he would be held accountable for the group's crimes and complicity in war crimes. So by the end of WW2, the KWG and its institute, institutes had lost their central location in Berlin, but were operating in other locations. The KWG was operating out of its aerodynamics testing station. Sounds like NASA. And pre the president of KWG committed suicide on 14 April 1945. And then another dude took over and then finally Max Planck. So after that, it, they end up basically relocating and uh, so these guys are doing nuclear research biological weapons research chemical weapon research and these guys are a bunch of dicks alright this is what you want to dedicate your life to how to fucking make shit to fucking just what's driving them what do you what do you think is driving them Yeah, so remember, so they're trying to, they're going to try to dissolve the KWG on 11 July, 1946. Meanwhile, Britain were like, no, you know what? Yeah, the British were like, oh, oh, hey, hold on. You know, these guys are, uh, these are pretty smart dudes. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can get them to work for us and do something we want. Anyway, as it goes on, they do whatever, and uh, they get this other dude, Sir Henry Hallett Dell, who is president of the Royal Society. Hmm. And the last thing I'm going to read on this. On 11th September 1946... September 11th, Q. The Max Planck Gesellschaft was founded in the British zone only. The second place founding took place on 26 February 1948 for both the American and British occupation zones. So they just relocated. It's just like 
Operation Paperclip. It's the same shit. Same people. Just re just changed the name of your company. Cause the old company has a bad name now. Now we're now we're on this side. Oh, what are y'all doing over there? Nothing. Well, that's uh, that's gonna be it, guys. This thing was uh pretty long. Uh, way more longer than I anticipated. Again, I wanted to get into other things, but I'm not gonna be able to. So basically, um, that's gonna wrap it up, and that's the basically going into the past of uh this whole thing and the way I think I'm going to do it is the next one I'm going to have to make another part of this it's going to be the what's going on currently I've got like so many so many so many freaking articles of interesting headlines and facts and all stuff but I'll probably sprinkle in some other things in between uh, all that just cause uh I've been wanting to release this earlier, but I just keep getting more and more information and kind of just watching this thing roll out. It's It's been interesting. So I'll leave you all with that. Something to think about. Look into this stuff You're on your own. Don't just take my word. And see if you come to any interesting conclusions and then uh yeah on the the next time i go into this uh, i'll be talking about some of the present things going on uh, all right i'm just gonna leave out the little one little interesting factoid did y'all know the uh the johnson and johnson vaccine the one they just put a hold on is uh it's grown on dead babies. Well, maybe not babies. It's grown from a, a certain dead baby. An aborted fetus from 1966. That hmm. has an immortal cell line. Emphasis on some of those words. But yeah, if you don't believe me, look it up. Go look it up. It's it's well known, and I'll go into detail next time. One last thing, if if y'all want to get a hold of me for anything, talk about anything, ask me some questions, whatever, hit me up. WTF do I know? All one word. At protonmail. P-R-O-T-O-N mail dot com. Hit me up. I'd like to hear hear from y'all and uh yeah man just uh the last thing is just just inform yourselves make an informed decision before you inject things into your body so many people don't want to try heroin but they're down to try this thing <laughs> Oh man, I guarantee you heroin probably feels a, feels a lot better. Alright, enough fucking around guys.
I'll, I'll see y'all next time. Enjoy yourself, though.